vexes some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. It's great to be back with you after a really long hiatus for me. Uh, glad to be here. Got my voice back. Took a full month. But today, we are going to be talking about the Supreme Court and their ruling in the vaccine and test mandate. And uh, we'll read through the opinions, give you both sides, and then help you make up your mind. So stay tuned right after this. Warning. This show is for adults by semi-adults, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent, libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Thank you for being here today. It is great to be back with you starting a brand new year here on the We Are Libertarians podcast network and the Chris Spangle Show. And joining me are my regular co-hosts here most Saturdays and sometimes hosts. First, we start with Harry Price. Harry, how are you? Going good. I'm going good. And Reinhold, how about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm my first day on some new medication, so we'll get to see how that plays out live <laughs> on the show. Well, hopefully uh, it gets weird. So, yes, I have been gone for over a month. I lost my voice on December 1st on the trip down to my wedding on December 4th, and I did not get it back until December 25th. Uh, and then uh, in the middle of, you know, even after the honeymoon, we had a great honeymoon in the Dominican Republic, and I firmly believe it would have taken longer had I not been in a tropical paradise for eight days. Uh, so it is great to be back, and I thank you. If any of you are still subscribed to this feed, thank you for listening. Uh, we are back to work, and uh, I am feeling better. Uh, my COVID brain is largely gone after months. I mean, it. I got it in early September, Delta, and it, it took a long time before, you know, and it's still it's hard to kind of remember some things and not as sharp as I used to be. So maybe that's age. Who knows? Uh, Corey asks, do you remember how to podcast? Barely. Uh, I've been doing the pat down, um, but I have not been here. But uh, I've got two episodes ready for the feed, ready and recorded and we're, uh, we're thinking about the future. The 10th anniversary of We Are Libertarians is coming up on March 8th. Uh, and we've got Brian Nichols has announced that he's leaving Philadelphia and moving to Indiana. I don't know if he's announced which city yet. Uh, I haven't heard his podcast on that decision. But we're excited to have uh, him here, and we're going to work on making wall fun again. So we're, we're putting together... Harry and I have talked about our strategic vision. If you'd like to uh, rent out harry's beanie then please by all means uh send in a sponsorship and yeah we're we're looking forward to the new year and getting back to work uh we could not do this without our patrons and i i did forget to pull this out and uh, thank our patrons so always willing to pull it out huh well i'm married now so i can 
Excuse me while I whip this. <laughs> uh, first, we want to thank our patrons. Thank you to everybody that supports us. It is incredibly important, especially as we start thinking about uh, what we're going to do. Uh, I am, to be frank with you, close to doing this full-time. I'd love to do this full-time, and that requires you. So if, if, if you support this show, if you get something out of the show, if you get value of listening to the show, then please... Join the Patreon at joinwallplus.com. That's W-A-L-plus.com. Thank you especially to our $100 a month members, John Pusillo, Casey Feldposh, Lars Nordskog, Jake Edel, Matthew Durbin, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. Thank you all for supporting us at a uh, high level that allows us to continue running this great podcast network. So, let's start talking about the Supreme Court. We have... Quite uh, the decision that was handed down by the Supreme Court, and everyone's reaction to it seems to be falling along partisan lines. The Republicans, well, actually, they're mixed. Uh, Don Jr. is very mad still and hates Justice Kavanaugh, even though most suspect him having read, uh, having written the OSHA declaration, but he sided uh, against, you know, against the healthcare workers. And now they have a vaccine mandate. So essentially what happened, the National Federation of Independent Businesses, which was a group that was formed um, during the uh, to, to essentially fight the uh, mandate for insurance under Obamacare. And they fired they got the band back together to take this to the Supreme Court. There were dozens of people that sued. Uh, to fight this mandate. And essentially what the mandate said is that any company over 100 employees had to mandate their workers get the vaccine uh, or they have to test. Now, this actually, this was something that uh, hit my life recently. My wife is a teacher at a school and the school came down with uh, a mandate outline, basically following the guidelines that OSHA had outlined. And what this essentially looked like for this school was mandatory vaccination for all employees, and you had to have your third booster shot. That is part of being fully vaccinated, according to OSHA's rules, uh, which caused a lot of problems for a lot of the staff. You could also get tested every week, and you had to wear a mask if you did not want to get uh, the, the vaccine. Now, it's obviously very hard to teach in a, a mask. Uh, it's impossible to get a test. I think at that that time when it was being discussed in Indiana, there were like 11,000 tests left, and uh, the governor had just restricted access to tests. So it was sort of like, okay, you want me to get tested? I'm going to have to take an extra day out of my week to try and track one down, find one, get tested, come in, wear a mask. I'm going to be wearing a, a cloth mask which the CDC announced yesterday. Uh, they, I don't, And I don't get why this is some sort of shocking news to people, but the CDC came out and said that cloth masks don't work. Well, that's basically what everybody said in the beginning when, oh, oh these nice, nice people are making cloth masks for everybody, and then the know-it-all on your Facebook feed would go, you know those don't work, only N95s work. So that's something that we've all kind of known from the beginning. Um, but, you know, it just, it was a huge hurdle. And... You know, we've talked about how, how could OSHA enforce it, and what they were told is that the local health department would be enforcing it. Now, I have no idea if this is in the standard, because it, I don't know how the, how OSHA, a federal agency, could force a local county health department to fine and enforce this and be basically their policing power. 
Um, but I mean, it's not like the public health department wouldn't take on that role and relish the opportunity to go in and find someone $10,000 as a revenue mandate, uh, a revenue uh, collection tool. Uh, the mandate essentially s- said that it was $13,000 roughly for a fine and if it was an accident and a $136,000 fine if it was a willful disobeying of the OSHA mandate. Um, now, and this school basically said, and this is a Christian private school, by the way, this is not a local school. The local school districts have not implemented this. Uh, and they said, if you're wearing a mask improperly and it's hanging off your nose, that's a fine. We could get fined, so you will be asked to leave if uh, your mask is not fitted properly. Now, what was the fallout of that? 92 employees connected to this church's school. They were over 100 because of the other church employees. Uh, 25, I think was the number, had complied by the date, and over 50 of them had had serious concerns with it, and most of the staff was vaccinated. It wasn't a largely unvaccinated staff. It was that many of them were just getting over Omicron. For instance, one teacher was like, I just had Omicron. I, I, my doctor doesn't want me to get a booster. Am I going to you know, be penalized by f- for having a recent natural immunity, a recent infection? And they said, yes, you have to get the booster or you have to go through the testing protocol. Uh that was the that was the sticky wicket for a lot of the staff was the booster. It was the uh, you know forcing them to get immunity for something that they just had. Uh, so you're starting to see a lot of people. I don't know about you guys in your life, but I'm starting to see a lot of people who kind of did everything that they were told to do. Going, hey man, what the hell? Uh, with a lot of the rules and regulations. Um. You know, now now the conversation is uh, you have to only wear an N95 mask. Well, we're three years into this. Why didn't you guys say that at the beginning? <laughs> um, so the CDC's flip-flopping on so many different things is also starting to awaken people to the idea that the CDC, the FDA, and these government agencies and OSHA, these are government agencies. They are political organizations. They are not the they are not science. Uh, they, they help articulate science, but a lot of times they're political organizations that flip flop back and back and forth because of what Twitter says. Um, now, uh, we are not going to talk about whether or not you should get the vaccine on this episode. We are not talking about the science of COVID. We are not talking about the pandemic at large. We are going to be discussing the legal conversation and the government's role in the pandemic. I want to make that clear because it seems very, uh, I don't know what it is, guys, but no matter how careful you, I I had a conversation with someone that I've known for a long time, and they were just hysterically mad at me for consistently saying, hey, if you let the government do something, it never goes away. For instance, if you are in Philadelphia and you have to show a vaccine card to go to dinner, They're going to include every booster. They're going to start including flu shots. They're going to start including all these different things. That will never be rolled back. You're still taking your shoes off at the airport. So you need to think about, as a resident of that location, what you are willing to do for the rest of your life and for your kids' lives. Because that's that. when the government takes a power, they do not give it back. 
well, this person just called me an anti-vax nut job, and I'm against every mitigation effort, and you must... And I saw in the news, the Supreme Court goes anti-vax. Uh, that was a headline in the New Yorker ma- in uh, New New York magazine. Well, they're all boosted. Every single one of them has taken the booster shot. the The big discussion was Neil Gorsuch not wearing his mask. Every single lawyer, journalist, Supreme Court justice, clerk that sits in that room when they have oral arguments has been tested before they go in. They they they've all been boosted. There is a vaccine mandate there, so it's just sort of like. We're really going to spend all of our time arguing about whether Neil Gorsuch wore a mask or not uh, when when the people who are most vulnerable were on Zoom that day. So there's just, I don't know, the, the arguments around COVID have just become so tedious. Uh, Reinhold, I know that you, you and I go back and forth a lot. Um, you are not, like... Again, people misread things that are said publicly. People think Reinhold is some sort of screeching leftist. He basically has a pink ponytail behind there. He's, uh, you know, he, he's super woke. But you went to dinner recently for the first time in several years. You didn't. You, may I say you didn't wear a mask? I mean, you're not. You're not cowering in fear. You're just like most of us saying. All right, we need to take COVID seriously, but like, let's just reevaluate every couple of weeks where we're at and adjust, and don't put things into law because it's just going to divide us. Is that a fair summation of what you believe? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't believe in government mandating this stuff. So, just to clarify a few things, the reason I haven't been to a restaurant—I I mean, I've been to restaurants, I just haven't gone out to eat with my wife, and it wasn't because of COVID; it was because she was in an accident and right. had cancer. And, and all this other things that had happened. So it was kind of like our first time going out to sit down and have a meal in a long time because of that. Not because we were COVID worried or whatever like that. So, no, I didn't wear, I don't wear masks because I'm vaccinated. So that's the law, right? You, well, you don't have to wear masks. I, 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 th- so, this is the thing. When we last did the show, um, you know, the vaccine, I mean, we were told in July, if you get the vaccine, it's going to stop. The, the the spread of the virus now that's clearly not true with omicron um it's not going to end the pandemic it's a lot of of what we heard in the beginning of you know like you can't vaccinate away a coronavirus it's like the flu vaccine you have to update it there will always kind of be boosters available i guess and the tech will be updated but if you get the vaccine, it's pretty clear that you your personal health is protected a lot better. So when this mandate was written, it was posed as if we force two-thirds of the American workforce, roughly 80 million people, to get this, then it's going to, they argue that it was going to save 6,500 lives and prevent 230,000 hospitalizations. I don't know how you argue for or against that. I don't know how you make that number up. Um but it it seems fairly obvious to me that the vaccine is like everybody acts like it's still April 2020. Like in April 2020, we didn't know a lot about this. We didn't have really any treatments. We didn't know what worked or what didn't. Three years on, we know ways to mitigate it. There's personal treatments to help reduce the impact of it in both the mm-hmm. vaccine, the mono, monoclonal antibodies. Uh, and and other things, and so I don't know why people in my life are more afraid now than they were back then. 
I mean, please explain it, Reinhold. Well, I mean, I don't know how to explain that it's more dangerous. People think it's more dangerous. I don't think that that's the case. I think what people are just concerned about is that there's a lot of people who think that if we had just done the right things, we had got good testing early on and were able to self-isolate and do the things we needed to do individually, we could have mitigated a lot of the stuff that's happening right now. Yeah, the spread would have been a lot less, everything else. So when they see people now still saying that they're not going to get vaccinated and they're not going to do the precautions and it's just like why don't you just do people are understandable uh, understandably against the onerous things that have been done like shutting down businesses and things like that but they i don't think they're against doing personal um preventative stuff that's not that big of a deal i mean wear a mask when you go out it's not killing anybody it's not killing you to do it and it kind of might help a little bit so you know, that's a, a small minor thing. And when people are, are upset about that, that's when people, I think, start getting offended on the left. On And, and um, the fact that it's the right left thing is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life, because I, I wouldn't call it, Robert yeah. Robert Kennedy Jr. a member of the right. Like I saw Naomi Wolf was on Steve Bannon's show yeah. the other day. Like there, <laughs> like there's this well, yeah, and the the, the, the anti-vax right and left have united. This is the one thing that's yeah. you know, and there's always the heterodox left gr- crowd yeah. that's kind of you well, know the at, Glenn Greenwalds that are you know yeah. not not look only at, on this subject, but that are kind of there's a realignment going on across the board that the pandemic has kind of spurred politically that I think is interesting. Correct. Yeah, it's like yeah. Ben Ben Shapiro is all again was all for mandating vaccines, uh, you know, several years ago, and it was something else, and it was affecting his family, right? So, hmm. it's it's interesting. Do you remember to see what it was? That, uh, I don't remember what. I think it was. Um, it, it was because it was in California, and all these anti-vax liberals in California not <laughs> getting like vaccinated. No, 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 this was, no, this was before. Yeah, this was before the. Uh, this virus it was well, some other thing i'm sure someone will fact check reinhold but yeah, yeah the, no, should, has, no it has, was just the basic viruses he was talking about how people should just get these vaccines in california right. and he's not been anti-vax so that's sort of the annoying thing is yeah, yeah. that if you have these conversations and your anti-government action you're you know like the i mean like trump is pro-vax so. <laughs> to his peril lately um, yeah, that's sort of the, the the worst thing that Democrats do lately is that they just sort of lump people into a group and call everybody stupid. And Joe Rogan's just an idiot, and he sound the Supreme Court sounded stupid like Joe Rogan. It's like people who disagree with you or are on a different side on a single issue aren't stupid. They probably have like I, I was listening to Opening Arguments, which is a, a good podcast on the left breaking down legal issues. So if you want like to understand a liberal progressive point of view on a lot of legal issues, that's a podcast that I will go to because it's a lawyer kind of breaking down a lot of things. Uh, and the whole episode about the the vaccine mandate stuff was just how stupid they were and this is they're jokers and they just made it up. And it's like they didn't even read the stupid thing where they they come out with the, like well-reasoned arguments and uh, you know, and it's just that insulting attitude of you're all just stupid and, and dumb and, you know, uh, it, it doesn't persuade people. It it just pushes people further into their identitarian or, camp. Yeah, or statist or woke or right. uh, commie or, you know, look, people talk about the, the kind of stupid questions that some of the justices on the right, right had. Um, 
during the thing, but there was also a bunch of the Fox News was going crazy because of some of the questions that uh, uh, Kagan had. Well, so right, yeah, she misstated, she misstated a, a number that she so had read wrong. And Sotomayor said there was a hundred thousand kids with COVID in hospitals. There's five thousand. And they it, lost it their was, mind. It was that wasn't even the troubling. The troubling one was yeah. where Sotomayor, in oral arguments, argued that OSHA has policing powers when federal agencies do not have policing powers unless specifically granted to them by the Constitution. It's not just an inherent thing. It is. Uh, it, it's a regulatory power, which is different than a policing power in the American system of, of law. So, um, Go ahead, Harry. I'm just going to say, like, yeah, Sotomayor is probably learning this the past month of why, like, Clarence Thomas doesn't open his mouth and write something down first. So he can <laughs> write it down, look at it, and go, hmm, do I want to say it like this? <laughs> yeah, the reaction to this has just been, oh, this is this is great. This is, I mean, I don't know. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive into this and read the opinion and uh, just kind of give you some highlights from it so you understand the arguments made, made by both sides both sides of this opinion so you can kind of understand what happened and, and get the full details. We will do that here in just a moment after we hear from our advertisers. Welcome back to the Chris Spangle Show. Thank you so much for being here. We are talking about the Supreme Court's decision on the OSHA mandate to force vaccination and testing on every workplace in America, creating hardships for American workers. Roughly two-thirds of the American workforce. Uh, it would be punishable by $13,000 if it was an accident, $136,000 uh, if it was a willful violation, uh, and you didn't like what people need to understand. You wouldn't have a choice. This would be in perpetuity. This would be every booster shot. It would be testing, whether there's not testing or not. Like if you can't get a test, let's say you work for Ruby Tuesdays as a server. Okay, technically you work for a company that's over a hundred employees. You're a server. You've you've really gone through a hard time through COVID. The earn the tax credit for kids, the extra money that you've been getting ended today. You did not get that payment in your bank account today for your three hundred dollars per kid. Uh, so if you're a server and you're not vaccinated or you don't want to get the booster, then you are going to have to be tested every single week. And if you can't get a test, you just don't work. So, I mean, this is uh, an incredible hardship for a lot of businesses that are already suffering supply chain issues. So many different companies sued to the Supreme Court uh, and were kind of lumped into one general argument. Uh, and this uh, was this came down when January 13th, uh, the decision to kill off this regulation was three, three, three. OK, so it was six, six to three. So you had, uh, you had the per curiam, which is the decision of the court and its unnamed justices, uh, but Roberts, Kavanaugh, and uh, who's who's the other one? I think it was. Um, I'm blanking on it. My cobra COVID brain. Uh, Gorsuch and Thomas and Alito 
all filed their own concurring opinion, which means they voted with them. Uh, and then there were the three dissenters, Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan. Uh, now, the decision basically starts with uh, a summary of what happened, which we've kind of told you uh, that, you know, testing at their own expense weekly, wearing a mask every workday. Uh, there are some carve-outs, like if you work exclusively at home and never come in. Uh, and essentially, it, it went to the Fifth Circuit Court, and the Fifth Circuit Court in, uh, entered a stay. And then the cases were consolidated before the Sixth Circuit Court, where OSHA's ruled to take, uh, or basically the Sixth, excuse me, I'm out of practice. The Sixth Circuit Court, say that eight times fast, said, no, OSHA can proceed with the mandate. You may have seen those headlines. Now, the applicants are seeking emergency relief from the court. So, this decision is not a final decision. It is, a, think of it like a test to see what the Supreme Court will decide if it makes it to the Supreme Court, because this is an emergency relief from the court. Uh, now, the the... The decision reads, agreeing that applicants are likely to prevail, we grant their applications and stay the rule. Now, what that means is that the the people that are suing the government are likely to win if this case were to come to the Supreme Court. And so they're granting their application, which means they find their, their case to be worthy, and they're staying the actual decision. A court's stay means that they are... They're deciding in favor of those suing and deciding against the government. Uh, and so the government has to cease what it is doing. Now, then they get into what is the nature of the Occupational Safety and Health Act. Now, I will tell you that I have a lifelong deep hatred for OSHA. I think it is a worthless organization. Uh, I lost a day's worth of income when I was working as a cleaner on construction sites because... We didn't have the proper MDS sheets for Dawn dish soap. So if you're working on a construction site, then you have to have these sheets that tell you what is in the chemicals and how it interacts with people. And if you don't have your updated sheets, then you you get fined. And so we just couldn't show up that day because they were inspecting the job site. And ever since then, that was one of the first inklings where I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you force me to lose a day's pay over... Uh, a Dawn dish soap. It's obviously not dangerous to humans. I mean, don't drink it, but like we were washing windows with it. And it's like so many other government regulations and agencies. And I think people are starting to wake up to this. When you... there, There's a moral panic that takes place. People pass a regulation, give a new power to a bureaucracy, create a new bureaucracy. Then... People feel that they have done some good, that someone somewhere is taking care of it. But in reality, what is being done is you are burdening an employee of some company at a low level with paperwork. Paperwork that no one will ever check because the regulatory agency doesn't have the people to do it. So in Indiana, they're trying to pass a law that forces teachers in Indiana to put their curriculum up for like a long period of time, like a year. A lot of teachers don't know their curriculum 
for a full year. They have to fill out all this paperwork that parents are able to come in and check. It's like in radio, you have to have these certain filings, your public file, so any person can walk in at any time to check these public files for radio stations. Do you know how many people ever come in or know about the ability to check these public files at our radio stations? It's zero. Do you know how many parents are going to come in and check the curriculum? Probably in the beginning, one, two, three... And then after a year, people will forget it, but the paperwork will forever be there and will forever be a burden on the employee. Uh, the ma- the vaccine mandates in these cities at restaurants, who is actually checking these vaccine cards? Nobody, okay? Because your regular restaurant employee or manager does not want to be a cop, and so they're not going to be standing at the door checking people's vaccine cards. But everybody feels like they've done something. Somebody somewhere feels like government is regulating workplaces. They're figuring out tests. You know, the CDC will take care of us when the pandemic hits. And, uh, oh, by the way, this is not a conspiracy theory. It's in um, Scott Gottlieb's new book around COVID. You can go read about it. He outlines all of this. We've talked about it on the program. When the pandemic hits and they get the sequencing and testing at the CDC, they centralize it. They tell everybody you can't, you can't, uh, you can't build tests unless we approve it. And then the the companies say we want to build tests. This is an emergency. Let us have the sequencing sequencing so we can build tests. CDC says to these companies, "This is our intellectual property." No. So these companies then have to go to Germany get the the sequencing to build tests because the CDC wanted to own the intellectual property. So these agencies all we all sort of think that everybody is we're all in on it, right? Like we're all in it together. Government is the that we all get together and do things in the name of government to save people and protect people. And then we never go back and do our homework and check up on this stuff to see if it's being done. And if we did, we'd probably find that nobody's being helped in so many different situations, but you've burdened people with with regulations that aren't being enforced, that aren't being watched. And uh, this is another another thing. Like, how is OSHA going to go to enforce this? Well, if they're going to enlist public health departments to spy on companies well that might be a good way to do it but otherwise it's it's just probably not going to end up being enforced uh so they they talk about the nature of osha uh which is part of the department of labor under the supervision of its secretary and osha is tasked with ensuring occupational safety that is quote safe and healthful working conditions now uh it Such standards must be reasonably necessary or appropriate to provide safe and helpful employment. Um, Now, they they said that under emergency emergency standards, emergency temporary standards, they had the authority, the OSHA had the authority to do this testing. Uh, The court, in Gorsuch's opinion, basically argues what we said recently about it, an emergency isn't take two months to figure out how to implement it and another two months to start enforcing it. If it's an emergency, you're abusing the notion of emergency. Emergency is a power plant is on fire and melting down and the government to coordinate resources needs to manage that particular location. That is an OSHA emergency. Uh, so 
there, prior to the emergence of COVID-19, the secretary had used this power just nine times before. And of those nine emergency rules, six were challenged in court, and only one of those were upheld in full. And I'm reading from the actual Supreme Court decision. So on September 9th, Biden announces this plan to require vaccinations. Uh, the rule was to increase vaccination rates at businesses all across America and to impose vaccine requirements on about 100 million Americans. Now, after a two-month delay, the Secretary of Labor issued the promised emergency standard, and uh, these there are narrow exemptions for employees who work remotely 100% of the time, but these exemptions are largely illusionary. And go on to talk about how 9% of landscapers and groundkeepers qualify as working outside exclusively. They do go inside. So the idea that you're uh, exempting outdoor employees or people who work from home, it doesn't make sense because everybody at some point, if you work from home like me, goes into the office once a week. So then it stands. So it drew no distinctions based on different industries. It was acting as... Uh, what, what did they say? It was acting as a blunt instrument to force people to do it. Uh, and it was treating linemen who work outside just like medics and meat packers. Um, the employer must verify the vaccination status of, of each employee and maintain proof of it, which is a privacy nightmare, Harry. Uh, and then they talk about some of the other standards, just kind of jumping forth here uh it it was so prior to the consolidation of these situations uh the case held that the mandate was likely exceeded osha's statutory authority and raised separation of powers concerns in the absence of a clear delegation from congress and was not properly tailored to the risks facing different types of workers and workplaces um there were 60 petitioners of which the Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro were one, but they keep saying they won, and they were not the case, which is sort of, and I'm not going to say it's a lie, but it's definitely good marketing. Cool. Let's put it that yeah, way. It's called marketing. It's right. Lying, yeah. It's marketing. Um, which I just sort of expected better of him, but okay. Come uh, on. I know. Uh, go ahead, Ryan Holmes. He's got a business to run. Okay. I know. I t- listen. I should do the same thing next time we're suing. We're suing yeah, everybody. <laughs> I don't care if I'm telling the truth or not. We're suing. I need the. I need the. I need the, the lift here. Okay. Need the need the free clicks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the circuit. The Sixth Circuit Court concluded that a stay of the rule was not justified. We disagree. Um, the secretary has ordered 84 million Americans to either obtain a vaccine or undergo uh, medical testing at their own expense. This is no quote everyday exercise of federal power. And then they refer to some case law. It is instead a significant encroachment into the lives and health of a vast number of employees. We expect Congress, quote, we expect Congress to speak clearly when authorizing an agency to exercise the powers of vast economic and political significance, uh, which is from a case in 2021, which is a doctrine that we will talk about in, in Gorsuch's reply. Uh, there can be little doubt that the OSHA's mandate qualifies an, exa- an exercise of such authority. Now, they go on to say, no provision of the act addresses public health more generally, which falls outside of OSHA's sphere of expertise. So uh, they then go on to argue that OSHA is a workplace safety 
organization. It is not a public health agency. And so what the, the court has generally come down, this specific court uh, over the last couple of years, is a, a doctrine that basically says that an agency has to have authority given to it by Congress to take too much power. So as we all are, as libertarians are not surprised by, agencies start to take more power than is written into the original act. So you have a lot of these agencies like the EPA or OSHA that were formed in the 70s or 80s, and their statutes are very kind of broad. And one one doctrine of the court has been to say, well, okay, this when you've overreached your power, we're going to kill it by saying that this isn't in the statute, you don't have the authority to do it. Um, the Solicitor General, general, the opinion goes on to write, does not dispute that OSHA is limiting to limited to regulating work-related dangers. Although COVID-19 is a risk that occurs in many workplaces, it is not an occupational hazard at in most. COVID-19 can and does spread at home in schools, during sporting events, and everywhere else that people gather. That kind of universal risk is no different from day-to-day dangers that all face from crime, air pollution, or any number of communicable diseases. Permitting OSHA to regulate the hazards of daily life, simply because most Americans have jobs and face the same risks while on the clock, would be would significantly expand OSHA's regulatory authority without clear congressional authorization. The dissent contends that OSHA's mandate is comparable to a fire or sanitation regulation imposed by the agency. So uh, the the dissent basically went on to write that, yes, indeed, this is a workplace hazard. This is where many people will be exposed to COVID-19. I go to the store, which a lot of studies show you can't get it at a store, just kind of walking past someone. But I do go to my office. And those are like the two places I go, right, and have for three years. Um, largely because I've just become cheap. Um, but, you Thank know, God so... The Magic Grocery Store doesn't allow us to get COVID there. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, they, the, the argument that, uh, you know, it's not specifically... The, the dissent basically argues that that's where most people are going to get it. Um, but the vaccine, they continue to write, mandate is strikingly unlike the workplace regulations that OSHA has typically imposed. A vaccination, after all, quote, cannot be undone at the end of the working day. And contrary to the dissent's contention, imposing a vaccine mandate on 84 million Americans in response to a worldwide pandemic is simply not, quote, part of what the agency was built for. We do not doubt, for example, that OSHA could regulate researchers who work with COVID-19. And they go on to continue, OSHA's indiscriminate approach fails to account for this crucial distinction between occupational risk and risk more generally. And accordingly, the mandate takes on the character of a general public health measure rather than occupational safety or health standards. Uh, It is telling that OSHA, in its half-century of existence, has never before adopted a broad public health regulation of this kind, addressing a threat that is untethered in any casual sense from the workplace. The equities do not justify withholding interim relief. We are told by the states that employers by the states and the employers that OSHA's mandate will force them to incur billions of dollars in unrecoverable compliance costs and will cause hundreds of thousands of employees to leave their job. 
there's something called the takings clause in the Constitution that if the government takes something from you, they must provide restitution. That's why many, even some conservatives and libertarians argued that the stimulus bills with the $1,200 checks were takings. They they took your job from you, and so they had to give you money back. Uh, and we told them they couldn't fly, so we need to bail out the airlines. Uh, I'll let you figure out if you uh, agree with that or not. Um, I think that's a slippery slope, in my opinion. I think that once you get into that, then they can take whatever they want. And, oh, well, we gave you money, and, and we've seen it with eminent domain. Like, well, your house isn't really your property. It's really our property, but we gave you money. And it doesn't change the morality just because they've given you compensation. For its part, the federal government says the mandate will save over 6,500 lives and prevent hundreds of thousands of hospitalizations. It is not our role to weigh such trade-offs in our system of government. That is the responsibility of those chosen by the people through the democratic process. Uh, Although... Congress has indisputably given OSHA the power to regulate occupational dangers. It has not given that agency broad power to regulate public health. Requiring the vaccination of 84 million Americans selected simply because they work for employers with more than 100 employees certainly falls in the latter category. Um, So, uh, let's see. So that was Robertson, Kavanaugh, and man, why can't I think of the other one? Help me out here, guys. Because uh, Thomas Gorsuch and Alito, I just need to look at their faces. Supreme Court. And I can tell you who decided. Their faces thing that gets me. What? <laughs> what oh, you can tell if, if I like, look at their faces. Yeah, so on the Supreme Court is Sotomayor. So it was Coney Barrett was uh, in, in conjunction with Kavanaugh and Roberts in... Writing the official opinion, some people think that Kavanaugh wrote that opinion. Uh, Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch signed on to a concurring opinion, which means that they agree and vote with the majority opinion, uh, but they have their own unique take on it. Uh, and the, the, the main opinion is something called the... Uh, listen, I am a generalist here. I am not a specialist in Supreme Court law, uh, but... Per curium was a term I had never heard, uh, but I did a lot of reading and homework for the show, so you don't have to. Um, now, the the concurring opinion by Thomas Gorsuch, Gorsuch and Alito spends a lot of time about who gets decide, to decide on these things. Is it the federal government and the agencies? Is it the states? Is it the uh, the employers? Uh, and they go back to basically reaffirm um, something called the, uh, and I know I'm going to say it wrong, and I highlighted it, but I don't, oh, the Major Questions Doctrine, excuse me. So the Major Questions Doctrine is sort of the outline in what I just said. It basically says that uh, if it's not in the Constitution, if it's not expressly written by Congress, then you can't do it if it's too broad. And, and and weirdly, like, in the other case, the CMS case, the Center for Medicare Medicaid, uh, I forget what the S is, but basically there was another case that they decided on where they said 10 million American healthcare workers can be forced to have get vaccinated because these local hospitals, nursing homes, they take Medicare and Medicaid money, they take federal dollars, and you... In resu- as a result, take the strings attached. 
And that has been written out by Congress, and so it's okay for them to do it because this is part of democracy, and the Democratic branch has said that these agencies have these powers, and OSHA, in the other case, does not have these powers. It's too broad and and too expansive. Um, and it basically talks about the line, we expect Congress to speak clearly if it wishes to assign an executive agency's decision of vast economic and political significance. And the mandate for OSHA failed that test. Uh, and then go on to talk about how this basically was a legislative workaround. And Chief of Staff to Joe Biden, Ron Klain, tweeted that out. He retweeted somebody saying that, uh, which they did not appreciate. Now, Gorsuch goes on to write, as the agency itself explained to a federal court less than two years ago, the statute does not authorize OSHA to issue sweeping health standards. That's right. There was a court case recently where OSHA argued that they didn't have the power to issue sweeping health standards that affect workers' lives outside of the workplace. Um, That was a brief for the Labor Department uh, in an AFL-CIO case in 2020. But that's exactly what they want to do now. So, historically, such matters have been regulated at the state level by authorities who enjoy broader and more general governmental powers. So, a state can, uh, in the United States governmental system, say, we're banning vaccine mandates, as they've done in Indiana, or they can say, we're enforcing vaccine mandates in our state, which no state has done. Um, Will we see California or New York now have their own vaccine mandate? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but the reason that they want it done on the federal level is because they don't want people leaving from Philadelphia to Newcastle, Indiana. So, um, yeah. but what they or, basically or, or are fishers or, or fishers, uh, and they talk a little bit about the non-delegation doctrine, which is something that is actually very uh, close to the major questions doctrine. In all, what I hear in this is the federal agency can't usurp the power of the democratic branch. You hear democracy taking place. So all these people who are fretting about the end of democracy are calling this opinion stupid. Now, Gorsuch writes, why does the major questions doctrine matter? It ensures that the national government's power to make laws that govern us remain where Article One of the Constitution says it belongs, with the people's elected representatives. If administrative agencies seek to regulate the daily lives and liberties of millions of Americans... The doctrine says they must at least be able to trace that power to a clear grant of authority from Congress. The dissent and many liberal commentators have said they can. They can trace it back to the president. And the president is telling them they have this authority, and he's the one they can hold accountable. Uh, And Gorsuch argues, no, that, that power really belongs to the Congress and not the president under the Constitution. And uh, the people need to be able to hold their people accountable. And both are designed to protect the separation of powers and ensure that any new laws governing the lives of Americans are subject to the robust democratic processes of the Constitution. The non-delegation doctrine ensures democratic accountability by preventing Congress from intentionally delegating its legislative powers to unelected officials. Sometimes lawmakers may be tempted to delegate power to agencies to reduce the degrees to which they will be held accountable for unpopular actions. Uh, The question, he ends, is not for us how to respond to the pandemic, but who holds the power to do so? The answer is clear. Under the law as it stands today, that power rests with the states and Congress, not OSHA. In saying that this much, we do not impugn the intentions behind the agency's mandate, which is side-eye for saying we do. 
instead, we only discharge our duty to enforce the law's demand when it comes to the question of who may govern. Uh, those 84 million, million Americans. Respecting those demands may be trying in times of stress, but if the court were to abide them only in more tranquil conditions, declarations of emergencies would never end, and the liberties of our Constitution's separation of powers seeks to preserve what what little amount is left, I guess. Um, so, how do you two react to the 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 majority opinions before we go on to the dispute? The descent. Okay. Go first. On the aspect of the, it, it does show like a, it's a little bit like okay, this is maybe crossing the line a little bit too much. Is like the political cowardice of like a certain political party because their unwillingness to like call a vote or put a, a bill together to do this thing. They want to just do it by executive order, then cross over and just allow the regulatory branch to do something instead of just like, how about you let your people vote on this thing? Most people probably will go along with it if you put some votes to it. You know, let them actually hold their elected people accountable. But even though a certain political party has control of, you know, the House and most of the Senate and the top of the executive branch, nah, no vote will be, yeah, you know, you know it's, it's political suicide in the midterms coming up if they actually had to pull that vote for it. You know, people may want it in their fear in their fear bubbles, but you know, when it cut when the rubber meets the road, no one wants to actually sign their name to any of it. Right. Reinhold? So I have a, a fair bit to say on what's going on so far. So first of all, what we have learned is that there is um, power that the Supreme Court has identified and, and affirmed that there is power for the state, the federal government to initiate mandates to every individual in the United States. It just has to be done the right way. And that's where you get into these people who are saying that this is a win. This isn't a win for anybody other than uh, some minor legal stuff on whether or not OSHA has this power or not. You know, it's like you can still do this. This isn't this isn't saying that this isn't possible. And uh, mm -hmm. as a libertarian, we, we don't like that. I mean, we want to be able to say that uh, the federal government can't do this. But we've seen throughout history that they have and they can and they I do mean, they all will. the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, look what a lot of things Nixon did. Nixon did so many things like this where he initiated mandates as a president, not even as Congress, that uh, it almost it pretty much informed forming the Libertarian Party to begin with. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> taking us off the gold standard, forming the EPA. Oh, I think OSHA. Yeah, just telling uh, people what temperature they could run their air conditioners and heating systems at. OSHA was formed by National Nixon. Board. Yeah. I mean, he was national in, records or national uh, speed limits. It was all kinds oh, yeah, of things we had bill. that we take. The, so right now we have a government that basically can do whatever it wants to, including even things that we think are good but are bad as well. Like Ron DeSantis is trying to make a make it a law that you uh, that a private company can't inf require mandates that they're for their employees. Yeah, right. That's just as bad as saying that they have to. No, right. I, I mean from a, from state, a purely yeah from a purely libertarian standpoint, uh, a state yeah, government yeah. telling a private employer that they can or can't have a vaccine mandate, uh, I, I I I that's just wrong from a purely libertarian standpoint. Like bodily autonomy fa factors into that though, but you have the ability to to voluntarily associate or not associate with an employer. You can quit and go find a new job. And millions of Americans are doing that right now. 
and mm-hmm. find I think what's what's been great with the great uh the great reset uh the great resignation or whatever it's called people are now kind of going I don't need to be beholden to this job. I can look around a little bit and do better for myself. And I think that's really good. I mean, I'm, I'm happy about that. We'll have oh, to do, we'll have to power. talk about the great resignation yeah. at some point, but you know, you it have the ability. Power. If you, if you are forced by the federal government to do something, you have no other state to move to. They're violating your bodily autonomy with a treatment that you can't have undone. A treatment that does carry some risk. I know we're not allowed to talk about the risk, which only makes, all of this more insane that you can't talk about, you know, something that carries a risk uh, and makes people more suspicious of it. Um, but the the reality is, this is uh, th- this is like you know, Reinhold, you're an old time libertarian. You know, we used to go to Borders Bookstore in 2009 and have our meet up with 50 people and have these hypothetical arguments about what ifs. If the government did this, how would we react? What it's the libertarian position on X, and like vaccine mandates were always like the one, and, and there would always kind of be a couple libertarians who'd be like, "Yeah, but your where does your right to infect me begin and end?" Uh, and then others would be like, "You're violating my bodily autonomy," and it's just sort of crazy that we've gotten to a point where those hypothetical government overreach arguments from 2009 as we're all like reading the revolution and liberty defined and arguing what we read because we don't know anything else has come true (laughs) you know and that's really where it comes down like but so does your employer have a right to violate your bodily autonomy i mean they're paying for your health care they're you're choosing they they can choose to not associate with you it is extremely unfair uh and most people do and that's what the dissent writes about is that basically people talk a good game but they don't actually quit you know the 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 hospital system here, the biggest hospital system, IU Health, has thirty three thousand employees. By the end of their mandate period, they fired I think three hundred people. Most of them were groundskeepers, were not essential employees. But then you have more rural hospitals, like a hospital of of someone that I know that works, you know, in a suburban county's hospital system of Indianapolis. They're in court arguing. Hey, I mean, twenty five percent of their staff is going to quit over the mandate for for this hospital, uh, and those are people we can't afford to have quit right now. But in other industries, it's like less than two percent, one percent that they, which comes to one of my founding principles in analyzing the news. People will always put their paycheck before a lot of other things, like. You know, there, there's, uh, there's more options right now than ever before. But at the end of the day, people are a lot of people are not willing. That's why I don't buy into a lot of the domestic terrorism talk because, like, is a dude really going to get rid of? You know, like I, he's got a hundred and twenty thousand dollar Ford F two fifty, a McMansion in the suburbs. He's gonna put the the, uh, you know, the snake. And what's what's the uh, the Punisher shit on his truck? But he's not willing to actually go spend twenty five years in jail for for domestic terrorism because he's not willing to give up his comfort, you know. So and that's how the vaccine mandate has kind of rolled out too. Like people, like Reinhold, like you just said, are not really willing to just quit. They'll not comply. They're they're hoping that their employer and the Supreme Court will save them, and not really kind of taking control of their own destiny here. Yeah. I mean, we put up with like drug testing uh, all the time, right? So, yeah, uh, but how this, long is that but been going like, on? listen, drug testing is fundamentally different than forcing you to get a vaccine. Is it though? 
Yeah, absolutely. P- pissing so in a cup. What happens if I get pissing, cancer? Pissing in a cup is different it. than taking a vaccine. Like you, yeah, but you, you, know, you miss what I'm saying, though. The, let's say that drug that they're saying that I can't take is what I need to help me. So I'm, I'm not allowed to do that. I'm not. So if I get cancer and I need to get, go through chemotherapy and I need mar- you know, marijuana helps that situation out, I'm not allowed to take it because right. I would lose my job. You know, so there is there is. So you're you're basically saying like these unfairnesses and inequities are across the board, and it's just part of life. We've been living through them for for a hundred years in this country because it there's been mandates for you know there were mandates for kids going to school and getting vaccines. There were vaccine mandates, you know, I was growing up that nobody you know we didn't have this big fight about. So people are accepting of this stuff. It's just that now it's become a political issue. So since it's a political issue, everybody wants to weigh in. But in the end of the day, people are going to do what they think is the right thing to do, and they're not going to fight it that much. It's gonna it's gonna end up being something where if they if they wanted to, they right now could put in a, a law through Congress to say that everybody can do mandates or OSHA has this power, and it's done. It moves on, and they could probably get that passed through. Uh, except for the filibuster is the only thing probably stopping that from happening. Yeah. And when it comes to peeing in a cup, most companies only doing it because of the, you know, is it regulatory information or some other nondescript company that makes them or some sort of a contract that forces them to do that. Most of them don't care. And most of those lab technicians know that probably 99.9% of the pee they're testing is fake pee. You know, I feel bad for that lab technician that went to school for all this stuff and they test fake pee all the time. That's fake. I got hit on a test like that once I was working a second job at a a facility and um, mail sorting facility. And I ended up getting hit with a drug test uh, where they came back and said, well, we, there were some problems with the drug test. I'm like, well, what? And we're like, well, it could be something, nothing. But it, I said, what else could it be? He says, well, it shows that you could be doing heroin. <laughs> Did I'm you like, eat a poppy seed you, bagel like Elaine? Yeah, I had like a poppy seed something, like a something like gyro with It was just like, you know what? You, you really are this. Sh- I'm not doing- <laughs> you are this show's Elaine. I'm just gonna say it. We're all. We've all been thinking it. <laughs> it, it. But it's all. It's all. You know. It's all crazy like that. Where. We should be letting people interact with each other and making their own decisions and doing what's best. Have have something that's out there giving out good information that we all can all go off of. But when you start politicizing everything, it's like you're saying that the the cloth uh, masks don't work. I'm like, no, they work, but not nearly no, as effectively the- as we would like the other ones. To How work, many right? times I mean, have we talked about that. it on this show? The the resentment and the backlash that was caused by government action that look at look at Australia's covid numbers with omicron it's not that much look at california's covid numbers and indiana's covid numbers they're not that much different and i just think there's some there's got to be at some point some level of humility to say that maybe we don't have the ability to control the spread like we wish we could uh, and the Barrington Declaration, you know, Bhattacharya had this right from the beginning that we need to protect the vulnerable and take some basic mitigation steps and get a a treatment like the vaccine as soon as possible. Uh, but the masks and the six feet rules and the Lysoling your packages, a lot of that stuff hasn't really done that much. Um, well, and I, and I and enshrining that in law is crazy, right? Well, you haven't gotten COVID. Why do you think that is? 
because I am socially distanced from people. Yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't work. It's it's common sense. A communicable disease needs community. Right. But, but yeah. there's also, like, people well, in 50% of the COVID cases early on were people who had not left their apartment. It was coming in through the, the air ducts, the HVAC systems, which we didn't fully comprehend till later. Um, yeah, but, Zuckerberg but people were talking horse. about this. We were getting that information. I was going through the ducts from like people from Korea. People right. were talking about this. South Korea was talking about this. You need to. Um, that was the whole like box air filter situation. Yeah, that you know was coming. But you couldn't have these conversations on the American internet. They're like they're censoring a lot of that. Some people still talking about that. But a lot of you do like I've been out and about. You know. Like I said, like I've been out and about and I've done things. I've gone around people. I've sat in a yoga room full of 36 people, all breathing very heavily. Okay. Most of this pandemic. Okay. So he's a very heavy breather. But but here's what nobody breathes heavier. Nobody breathes heavier than uh, than Harry. Yeah. I mean, the reality is what I want to say, what I want to say is, though, is that I think it's it's foolish to assume that this instance and what's going on right now is changing people's minds to being anti-government. It's okay. not why, why do you say that? Correct, correct. Because people are going to still default back to all the other things that they see as government being good and things that it should be doing. They don't, they don't, they're not able to make in their brain the break of government should be do- taking care of this. Or should, government should be doing this. They're just going to say government's doing it wrong now. Right. You know, we got the right. wrong people in charge now. It's we it's it's, it's not a. Charge. I mean, for for me, it's it's like I've always just like I'm I'm going to get COVID. I need to prepare myself as best as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's medical treatments or exercising or eating well or you know, like the cardiovascular strain. That I that I experienced when I got Delta in September was significant, and it's made me. Uh, I mean, it really was a, an issue. I I had a high resting heart rate till really December. Um, you you know, I had a lot of long COVID effects, and it made me realize I've got to get some stuff. Uh, I've got to get more prepared for the next variant because I'm probably going to get every variant. Fortunately. I have not uh, gotten Omicron at this point. I expect to, you know, and so it's just sort of like from the beginning of the pandemic, what we've been saying is you cannot rely on the government to protect you. You cannot rely on the government to financially support you. The best they can do is $1,200 every nine months. Like you at the end of the day are in control of your own life. You are responsible for you and your family. You are responsible for your income streams, your health, and you need to evaluate information as best as possible. And other people shouldn't be interfering with your ability to do that. You know, Joe Rogan should be able to interview whoever he wants. But the fact that people don't want you to talk about what was said means there's not good fact-checking about it. I have no idea if those guys, I listened to them, they sounded convincing, but I have no way to verify that. I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything. I want to see other doctors talk about that conversation or have them have direct conversations with those people so I can evaluate the information. That's been the whole argument. That's been the biggest problem in the pandemic, is that people... People are trying to, like, it's hard to figure out what is good information and what is not, you know? And people need the ability to make the best decision. You know, our argument 
is the argument that Don Rainwater adopted here in Indiana, and in a three-way race, got 12% in a statewide race. And it was, the government's role here is to give good information to allow people and business owners to make decisions for them and themselves. Business owners will take this, the safety of employees and, and their customers at, more seriously than a government bureaucrat will. If you talk to any business owner, they were extremely have been extremely worried about keeping their their people safe, which is why a lot of employers want to mandate the vaccine. They don't want them going being one of the ninety seven like in Indiana released a number ninety seven point one percent of the people that died under forty for COVID were unvaccinated. You know, so but that's a negotiation that you have with your employer. Are you you're are you? Thank you for being paternalistic, but is that your role? Right. The, and so Rainwater just always said, like, the role of the government is to give us good information, reliable information to make good decisions. But once you start invading people's lives and shutting down businesses and putting out mandates, resentment takes place. People start doing the opposite. <laughs> there, there's just it's an American character. There is just a hardcore percentage of Americans that will never get the vaccine. It doesn't matter how much information you put in front of them. It doesn't matter how you can't persuade them because government prescribed it. And it is it is just like it's like the sticking the stick in the in the bicycle wheels meme where People who don't get that, don't understand their fellow Americans because they don't talk to them, get mad at that behavior, you know, those, those choices, and then double down on it by shaming them, calling them stupid, like trying to uh, take them out from various forms of, of regular life because they won't take the vaccine. All that does is just reinforces it. It just keeps it going. It keeps the resentment <laughs> going. You know, and, it, and it's just nobody gets the cycle that we're in and they can't seem to stop themselves. You know, the like nobody looks at censorship of information, like trying to censor Alex Jones. Nobody steps back and goes, gee, when we, we removed him from all these platforms in 2018, we thought it would stop. Instead, it radicalized an entire political party that has power across the country. <laughs> the opposite effect took place. All right, but nobody says let's stop doing that thing that obviously is not working. More people are falling kind of, you know, into that camp. Uh, it's just it just blows me away that people don't stop and look at look at this stuff. They're so driven <laughs> by their political ideology and the people around them as opposed to kind of stepping back and evaluating it. I would counter too what you said about the government's position being to give us good information. I don't think that's the government's job either. I think yeah. we should have qualified, trusted organizations that are not politically invested in any way be where we get that information at. I always use the example of uh, underwriters' laboratories. Under We don't have laws against a lot of electrical stuff, electrical requirements that we have out there right now because underwriters' laboratories has done a good job of regulating that stuff yeah with good information and, and inspections for the past 80 years or whatever you know how long they've been in in business and doing this so we didn't need government to do that for us because we had a body who was doing it so we well, need more bodies doing that we need more people putting together organizations that we can trust for that information johns hopkins early on did that what do i need yeah. the cdc for well the, well, the, the other issue oh, is harry, like harry, I, i'm gonna bring harry you got oh. real hot your oh. mic's real hot Turn it down. I, I, didn't, I didn't touch anything. I, didn't, I, right. I think I probably just got a, got excited. I, guess. I see. What, what, one of the things I would I would just say is uh, 
I, and I've been trying to tell people this, a lot of this misinformation also does come from, from up top. It's Fauci fault and the lay media, but not how you think about it. It's, I think, the simple fact that the government was presenting one doctor, one person as the source of truth yeah. instead of like a panel of scientists. And this is how, you know, usually, you know, how most sciences are discussed. You know, it's a panel of people. Like, but the thing is, I what the thing I used to get people to really want to get the vaccine was the panel of doctors doing the Ask Me Anything for the Mayo Clinic. It wasn't one, one doctor for the Mayo Clinic. It was a panel of doctors. Ask me anything. Tell me what questions do you have? What makes you not want to take this thing? Or if you've taken it, you have questions about after you've taken it, we will answer it as a panel together. And you would watch them also have disagreements with each other on the panel, but they were, you know, it, but they were talking with each other like, well, I don't think that. And there's like, and they would talk about the chances like that. That type of conversation is what the world needed at that time not one person in front of a podium trying to say they're the science and trying to get that because the lay media it's it's not that's not how uh, some people like can, to can you like think of anything more damaging to like just as a I, I consider myself a pretty middle of the road normal person but when fauci like says when you're arguing with me you're arguing with science you know or calls that senator a effing moron like I don't oh, know. There's some. On, he is right about that. that was whole, <laughs> maybe, but that man, wasn't about his financials and stuff like that. That wasn't about. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, yeah, the, the yeah, reality, yeah, like, yeah. there's one thing that Americans will kill you for, and it's a lack of humility. Mm-hmm. Unless apparently you're Trump, which is why a lot of Republicans don't get what their other Republicans are doing. It's like if you if you have gotten to the point where you've bought into your own press, as much as we all love to talk about the leftist media and how in the bag they are and i listen they are we all know it it's irrefutable cuomo got too big for his britches didn't he you know and like there's just something that americans they cannot stand they love a car wreck and the trigger is always a lack of humility uh what's funny is that but here's here's the thing what you're saying right there is that the, the media turned on cuomo because he crossed the line the right media won't do that for Trump. I know. Well, so the vaccine ma- the over break. I mean the the Candace Owen interview and the booing with Bill O'Reilly. Like what Trump said was, I, I, I let me see if I can pull it up because when you listen to what he said, it it wasn't wrong. <laughs> like nope. it, was, it was. It it sounded like what a lot was. of like it wasn't conspiratorial. It wasn't you know any of that stuff. It was. Uh. It was, hey, I did a good job with it. Uh, Trump booed. The Candace Owens thing is just like. But the other thing also is with the going to the point of you're talking about how some people are like having that break for the government. No, right now we're in that lull period where a lot of people on the right and on the left too like to grab the libertarian label when it's safe to be a libertarian right right now. But have, the moment have, the election series and starts really ramping up, then it's then the L words just okay. drop from their mouth. Like, nope. And, and how many of those people how many of those people who are anti-government and mandates and things like that are walking around with back the blue stickers and talk about how great the government is and we should be defending you know all our military operations and mm-hmm. these are people who are okay with government intrusion into your lives and government authoritarianism as long as it doesn't affect them negatively in any way. And that's where you get into the issue is a lot of people who like to claim that they're libertarians are really just people who want the government to leave them alone, but they want the freedom to tell other people how to live their lives. 
Exactly. A lot of people walking around with red and black flags from Antifa are doing the exact same thing. We hate Antifa, but blue no matter who. <laughs> we'll trust that tribe. But it's a come on, I thought you were against government, but now you're for these government formats. Can you get a little consistency would be nice, you know? <laughs> Just a little, you know? We uh, all right, so let me see if I can... I, I can't get this into my computer, so I'm just going to turn up the volume oh, no. on my speakers, oh, no. so sorry that it's not uh, the great sounding. But look, we did something that was historic. We saved tens of millions of lives worldwide. We, together, all of us, not me, we, we got a vaccine done, three vaccines done, and tremendous therapeutics like Regeneron and other things that have saved a lot of lives. We got a vaccine done in less than nine months that was supposed to take from five to 12 years. Because of that vaccine, because of that vaccine, millions and millions of people, I think this would have been the Spanish flu of 1917 where up to 100 million people died. This was going to ravage the country far beyond what it is right now. Take credit for it. Take credit for it. It's a great, what we've done is historic. Don't let them take it away. Don't take it away from ourselves. You're playing that. You're playing right into their hands when you sort of like, oh, the vaccine. If you don't want to take it, you shouldn't be forced to take it. No mandates. But take credit because we saved tens of millions of lives. Take credit. Don't let them take that away from you. Okay. So the president made news. Do you agree with that? Right? Both the president and I are vaxxed. And uh, did you get the booster? Yes. I got it, too. Okay, so... Um, oh, don't, 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 no, no. That's all. It's a very tiny group of it. And that, that he kind of, like, is hitting on something that I, I just didn't get last year. It's like, why are you running on the culture war stuff and the when your economy is great? Why are you, you know... You're the one that put, like, it's so funny to see DeSantis come out and say, well, I trusted Trump, but he was the one that initiated the shutdowns and did all those bailouts. I'm like, is he listening to this program? (laughs) You know, uh, (laughs) Trump was the one that, like, it was so weird because he initiated the lockdowns and then he's super anti-lockdown warrior man by the time the election rolls around. It's just like, dude, run on the vaccine. Like, that's popular. People see it at that point as, like, a a saving grace. Like, it's going to get us out of this. Like, it's the one thing that he effectively managed, which I'm sure he had nothing to do with, you know? To get out of the way and let them do it. That's how it solved it, was we let the government out of the way and let them take care of it. Right. And and, and he could have pushed the Democrats into being the anti-vaxxers. Because they were on board. They were ready to say, we're not going to trust this vaccine. We're not going to take this vaccine. All that stuff was happening right around the election. And he backed off and started going on talking about other different things and then lost the election. And, of course, now all the Democrats are saying, get the vaccine, get the vaccine, because the right started saying not to take it. It was just a weird jump to see. It was lined up to be the other way. Right. So. Yeah, because it's uh, all political. It's what I don't understand. Yeah, why is this political? It makes no sense to me. So because everything is, we we've ratcheted and ramped everything. Because up everything's a, it's, everything is like it's pro wrestling. So I listened to Alex Jones for like the the week after that he said that stuff, and and, and like listen, I'm don't know that any mainstream reporter listens to this, but Alex Jones is not the person you need to be afraid of. Like they all pretend that Alex Jones is like I listen to him on a regular basis. 
and he tries like you have to fact check everything he says he's got his own worldview that i don't agree with but he's he's like portrayed in the media so differently than he is on his show you know if you read the new yorker like the people that are 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 like the, the how do i put this the way that alex jones is is thought of by people who don't listen to him and and reported in the media like that actual person those media figures you can't find anywhere <laughs> does that make sense right like remember maya from this show you can't find her online anywhere right you have to go to dark corners to find the truly violent dangerous people and i'm not you know like I don't get the vibe that Alex Alex Jones is just trying to make enough to buy his next uh, round of booze. He's uh, just a grifter. He, right. He he's he's. Whoa. But the, you know they so everybody reports like Alex Jones has turned on Donald Trump. He's not been a Trump fan for a while now. Like he's kind of been. I, I, you know I just love you, Mister President. But I just got to like he's not like Wayne Allen Root who was on his show. Boy, did I get it wrong with that guy, uh, Wayne Allen Root. Uh, you know, was just basically saying like, "What has he been bought out? Has he been sold?" And like, listen, I love you, Mister President. I'm taking my honeymoon at Mar-a-Lago, and I paid extra to have the room so we can share a wall. I'm right next to you. Like, just this hyperactive dick sucking. It was just the most pathetic display I've ever. Oh, it was so funny, you know. But you know, Jones will entertain all these people, and uh, you know. They're killing him in the QAnon world for for those statements, but he's mm-hmm. right. Like that was the thing that he did well, and he never mentioned it on the trail because he wanted to appeal to the anti-vax Q crowd. Now he's just sort of mystified by it. Like he's he's like, I did a good thing. I thought these people loved me. Why don't they talk about how a good thing I did? Um. So I don't know. All right, we're we're way off in the weeds. We got to wrap this up. So uh, for the dissent side, um. So Sotomayor, Brer, and Kagan, I mean, the long story short with their dissent is, hey, dummies, COVID is real. It's killing people. This is an emergency and a crisis. And uh, it's where most people are contracting it. What do you mean that this isn't OSHA's uh, purview? Um, OSHA's rule, uh, so Brayer, Sotomayor, and Kagan all joined together to write this. Uh, OSHA's rule perfectly fits the language of the applicable statutory provision. Once again, that provision commands, not just enables, but commands OSHA to issue an emergency temporary standard whenever it determines that employees are exposed to grave danger from exposure to substances or agents determined to be toxic or physically harmful from new hazards. Um, OSHA must act to prevent workplace harm. Um, Millions of people have... Uh, been hospitalized 70 725,000 have died so obviously this is a hazard uh, nothing in the acts text supports the majority's limitation on osha's regulatory authority and of course the majority is correct that osha is not r- a roving public health regulator it has the power only to protect employees from workplace hazards but just as explained that is exactly what the standard does Consistent with Congress's directives, OSHA has long regulated risks that arise both inside and outside of the workplace. For example, OSHA has issued and applied to nearly all workplaces rules combating fire, faulty electrical installations, and inadequate emergency exits, even though the dangers are prevented by those rules arise not only in workplaces, but in many physical facilities. Example, stadiums, hotels, schools. 
Um, OSHA has regulated to reduce risks from excessive noise and unsafe drinking water. Again, risks hardly confined to the workplace. Um, so, you know, but there's not a fight. Their, their argument is, because the argument against that is, there's a chance your workplace will have fire, but there's not a fire at every workplace, right? And they're saying, well, it's the chance of there being danger that uh, is why they have the power to do this. Um, right. So they... Uh, I think the question that they're trying to do is say is, and I don't know if they're not doing it very well, but they're trying to say, like, you have this grouping of, of people who work in this this company... And just like you would not want them to stack certain things a certain way that could fall and hurt some people, you don't want people coming in and bringing in a deadly disease that will infect the whole workforce as well. So that's where they're saying that they're getting the OSHA. um, OSHA should be able to get involved is because they are trying to protect the people in the workforce who aren't sick from people who are and are coming in. So they're saying you get the vaccination or you get the test, validate that you don't have this deadly disease and you can come in and work and everybody's fine. So that's kind of their thinking. And there's a certain logic behind it as far as OSHA Mm -hmm. and all that stuff is concerned. I don't think, I I think they got the decision right that they don't have the power to do that, but it's just a hop, skip and a jump from them going to Congress and getting that power. Yeah. Um, But it's it's still I can see the logic there that they're trying to make whether I agree with right. it or not is different. Story. Yeah. Right. So go yeah. ahead, Eric. And, and I think and I really think like if if this was more like you know like airborne space Ebola that was melting people's faces <laughs> off, people would do this. Yeah. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the cursed episode when we were talking about smallpox and the awful stacks that they had to go to to eradicate it from this earth. You know, if it was something like that along those lines, yeah. It's just, that's that type of emergency, but really we're three years after this. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Uh, and that's the uh, government. Go- probably the problem. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's, it, that may be something that was valid the first six months when it was the initial variant. But now that we're going into Omicron, which is nowhere near as deadly. And it's an, it, we're entering an endemic it, phase as opposed yeah. to a pandemic phase where right. in, in two months, by the time they it's get, now, yeah. yeah, they're sending everybody a home test and an N95. Now, and by the time you get it, solid, Omicron yeah. will be over. Yeah, now it's all about the, whether they have the power to do it or not, and that's where they're going to be fighting this in the courts is, is whether government has this power or they don't have this but power. But this is a great example of everyone looking to government as a leading indicator when it's in reality a lagging indicator. We're t- almost three years into this, and they're arguing about about various, whether or not they have the ability to do it. And you're right, like that's where markets have the ability when markets when you have a society that is not centrally planned and governed by markets and people using decision making power centralized at the individual as opposed to the president you have the ability to react quicker you have the NCAA and the NBA shutting down 2 weeks sooner than you know local like the the timing to keep the hospitals from being overwhelmed it's, it's imperative that we do this. We've got to do it. And, yeah, Gen Con you know, canceled that Gen right Con that and, uh, and uh, you know, my, um, my employer, like everybody shut down anywhere from two to four weeks sooner than the government was able to mobilize its resources to do it because it's political. And so my argument is a, a lot of people, a lot of libertarians will make the moral argument of whether or not you should or should not do something. The government should or should not do something. 
But I also think you should make the utilitarian argument, which is what they're doing effective. No, then here's the alternative. And the alternative is individual action, self-protection, and and market choice making. So um, not just the moral case, because I just don't think that a lot of people like Dennis is talking about that are, that are going to go, you know, we just need a different government. I think you're right. A lot of people will make that assessment. If we have a different government, it'll be different. The right um, people in charge. The right people in charge. But the, the problem is that you can't find the right people to be in charge. You couldn't have two types of people diametrically opposed to each other, like Joe Biden and Donald Trump and their staffs, and they couldn't figure it out, <laughs> right? Um, so under- not opposed to each other. They, <laughs> they, yeah. I mean, the gaslighting coming out of the... Basically the same person. I mean, Joe Biden, has Joe Biden ever actually done anything wrong? Or does, like, I can't imagine how much blame his poor wife takes, because this dude, like, okay, they're trying to federalize elections, and they're mad at Republicans for being mad at that. When you know Republicans are going to be mad at you. They formed the second impeachment committee. You have seven Republicans in the Senate vote for impeaching the president, a historical number. Uh, you have Republican congressmen like Liz Cheney and and the, the other, was it seven or 12? None of those people were ever included in the impeachment process, right? Like, you knew that there were Republicans that were against Trump's actions on January 6th and the second impeachment. Uh, and you never included that. And you wrote the impeachment in a way that you knew that they would all vote against it because it made them take the blame, right? Uh, and you you have, like, the filibuster argument or build back better. You already know you don't have the numbers. Why would you go through six months of flailing and failing and the, ultimately looking it, incompetent? Well, here's why. Because they think that they can just blame their enemies like Manchin or Cinema or the Republicans or the unvaccinated and that the media will carry their water and everybody's figured out Joe Biden is just kind of a lying, blathering blamer. What they were trying to do, what they're unsuccessfully trying to do, because they're not doing it well, is saying, here's all the things we're trying to get done to help protect you and make your life better and fix all these issues. And they're the ones that are stopping it. Mm-hmm. Here are the people who voted. So we got to yeah. get the votes in there to get them on the record to say that these aren't these, these people aren't doing this so that they can get them voted out for the next election. And mm-hmm. instead of actually trying to fix problems in the best way that they can with what they have in place to do working in a, in a coordinated effort that everybody's happy with and getting things done in a consensus, it's more politically advantageous to do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's a liar. I mean, he's a liar. He's a lying liar who promised politician (laughs) whose first presidential campaign to get rid of my student loans. And they're still there. They're still there because he's a liar. Like, his first campaign of four went down in flames because of plagiarism. Because he's a liar. Why are you buying the military budget 5%. We have two wars we just ended. What the heck? He was opposed to Syria, and now they're they're, uh, arguing that we need to fight a proxy war in Ukraine against the Russians. Well, how'd that turn out for Syria? It's always Ukraine, man. They've got something on the Democrats. I don't know what the deal is. I don't don't know. I don't know. Um, So, to finish up with the dissent... um, because we really got to wrap up. I should have just made this two episodes. Uh, you know, basically they go on to say who who should have the uh, who should have the, the ability to decide how much protection and what kind. Um, 
workers need uh is it the congress is it people with expertise in workplace health and safety or is it judges uh and so those are the kind of the two currents the many currents out of this uh just to briefly summarize the other case because it does seem sort of uh disjointed that they would rule that all people are free except the 10 million healthcare workers um, and just to give you some background, the Medicare program provides health insurance to individuals 65 and over. Medicaid does the same for those with low incomes. Um, they are administered by the Secretary of Health and Human Services, who has general statutory authority to promulgate regulations as may be necessary to the efficient administration of the functions. Uh, one such function, perhaps the most basic, given the department, and this is from the uh, ruling opinion, the per curiam, uh, such providers include hospitals, nursing homes, ambulatory, surgical hospices, rehabilitation facilities, etc. Um, so, one of the core missions is to ensure that the healthcare providers who care for Medicare and Medicaid patients protect their pa- patients' health and safety. Uh, they go on to talk about a long history of um, uh, I- infection prevention and control programs to help prevent the development and transmission of communicable diseases and infections. Uh, And on November 5th, the secretary issued an interim interim final ruling amending the existing conditions of participation in Medicare and Medicaid to add a new requirement that facilities ensure that their covered staff are vaccinated against COVID-19. There are a couple resumptions like religious exemptions, telework, um, and Failure to do so may lead to monetary penalties, denial of payment for new admissions, and ultimately termination of participation in the programs. Um, Now, long story short, to boil all of this down, they also talk about how they're dealing with some of the most vulnerable patients in the the world because of people over 65, those most vulnerable to COVID-19, people over 65, and uh, low-income folks. And so, therefore, they have to do that. And so, this comes down to kind of what he said. Uh, can they legally, and do we like it? <laughs> Those are two very different things, right? So, the American system, uh, basically, the director of health and human services said the services need to protect the health of the humans they're servicing. And they have the legal authority to do so. Uh, the dissent was basically too, saying it was too broad. Roberts and Kavanaugh joined that they have the authority to execute this program. Uh, Coney Barrett, uh, Thomas, and Gorsuch, were the, and uh, I think Alito. Let me just double-check that, just to make sure I'm giving you good information here. Uh, oh, Thomas. Justice Thomas. Uh, excuse me, sorry for being boring. Justice Thomas with Alito, Gorsuch, and Barrett dissenting, and they basically, um, so as a result, the government has effectively mandated vaccination for 10 million healthcare workers. It compels millions to get an unwanted medical procedure that cannot be removed at the end of the shift, and therefore it is inappropriate. So, and that they do not have the ability to force this many people to get a treatment that is irreversible. 
Um, they end with today's decision will ripple through the administrative agency's future decision making. The executive branch already touches nearly every aspect of S of Americans' lives. In concluding, the CMS has good cause to prov- to avoid notice and comment rulemaking because they basically to to uh, this is one other thing for them to implement this law, they have to go through a period of commenting and. Uh, they did not do that. They did not give notices. They broke their own rules, uh, and they're not allowed to do that. The court shifts the presumption against compliance with procedural strictures from the unelected agency to the people they regulate. So neither CMS nor the court articulates a limiting principle for why, after an unexplained and unjustified delay, an agency can regulate first and listen later, and then put more than 10 million healthcare workers to the choice of their jobs or an irreversible medical treatment. Justice Thomas then writes, he dissents. So the core of his argument is that they broke their own rules in trying to do this, so procedurally they can't do it, nor can they do it morally because you cannot remove this at the end of the day because it is a vaccination. So those are the two arguments surmised. Um, What say you two? Anything? Well, uh, my brain instantly goes to like the gross cyberpunk dystopia that we're racing towards. So if you can remove it, it's perfect. Okay. So if you think you're getting special eyes, just deal with work. Hey, they're coming because they can be removed at the end of the day. Hmm. The eye scooper is ready. All right. So, <laughs> so yeah, your and, argument and is, it, th- is that this is about to uh, usher in removable eyes that are only allowed to be used at work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm probably required to be used to work. I'm going to force Reinhold to listen to me talk about anime here coming up anyway. So yeah, it's the, you know, it's the <laughs> idea that we're going to run into a, the cyberpunk dystopia world where I've got to like, it's just like, we got to read articles all day. Let's say we read articles all day, right? There's a eyeball out there that you can buy, like, put it in my head. And lets me read articles faster, 10 times faster than you can. Yeah. I'm all my work is to have this and you can just remove it at the end of the day. That eyeball stays here at work. Come get your eyeball at the end of the day. If you want to work here, you got to have this eyeball. I mean, I'd say you're ridiculous, but we are talking about vaccine mandates, so. Yeah, yeah. hey, 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 ten, 10 years in the future, hey, that's that 10 year photo, okay? All right. Right, hole. Oh, I'm, um, I, I just find some of it kind of funny, but in all of it, they're all saying the same things is that as long as you have the right wording in the law, you can do this stuff. So it's, yeah. it's not about whether or not you can or can't do it. It's whether or not. How do we get away with it? You cross, <laughs> you cross the right forms or filled the right, you know, dotted the right I's across the right T's. We've had, like I said, we had mandates when I was growing up uh, for, for vaccinations through the school systems. Right. You, you'd mentioned earlier that local enforcement of federal mandates is not something that is normally done. I'm like, it's done all the time, especially like through education. For sure, for for sure, you know. I mean, we, we use that education system to get a lot of things put in place. We use the the highway system to get states to uh, enforce certain laws that they want to have for enforced at the federal level. So, um, yeah, this is this is all just about the minutia on the whether or not the right wording has been used in the documentation, not whether or not the the government has the power to do this or not. All right, well, I I think that's pretty much it. Uh, Anything else you guys want to say before we wrap up? I do want to say something. Okay. Apparently, there's a new feed on the We Are Libertarians Network. Never heard of it. 
And what I found interesting in listening to this feed is that the very first episode is also the first time I was on the We Are Libertarians Network. Really? Yep. <laughs> and that would be the uh, Low Key Wall feed. Harry, you know more about that? What? Promote, that was the first promote, time? promote yourself. Yeah, the very first episode you did for Low Key Wall, mm-hmm. you introduced me right as uh, immediately as the first yeah, as first uh, co-host, basically or whatever. So. Oh wow, I did, oh, man, yeah. that's wow. Seems so. Long and we were ago. talking about uh, what was it? We were talking about um, 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 Me Too movement. Oh, yeah, that's a while ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. four years ago. Yeah, so the We Are Libertarians has a new show. Uh, it's an old show, just getting its own feed, and that is Low Key Wall with Harry Price and his band of misfits. Uh, so yes. you can check that out. I've added it to all the stores. Um, and yeah, Low Key Wall. Yeah. Go check it out. Yeah. It's on the website, too. Yeah, maybe I should do it. I should probably do an episode to like record, like tell everyone where the idea even came from and, um, you know, in how we even got this and, you know, how we even got a budget from Spangle. You know, I asked him mm-hmm. for a raise for my contract for signing for 2022 and uh, I got a show out of it. So, yeah. yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here on the program. We really appreciate it. Uh, so, very, very good. Uh, I'm just getting notices that apparently I have another podcast to do in four minutes that nobody told me about. So, uh, <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. So, please. Uh, and, and hey, uh, I'll be on Netflix on February 8th uh, with Miss Pat opening her special where the, that podcast will be. Uh, I have th- less than three minutes of fame, but. Uh, It'll be very, very cool. So make sure you check out her special. Make sure you check out the Pat Down. Cool things happening there. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to We Are Libertarians. Listen to Loki Wall. Listen to all of our shows over at wearelibertarians.com. It's great to be back, and I promise I will be better next week.